The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by the inspiring team at Author Accelerator. There's never been a better time to get serious about that book idea that's been rattling around in your head. And working with an Author Accelerator book coach is the best way to write forward. Author Accelerator book coaches give writers feedback, deadlines, and step-by-step guidance while you write so that you can actually finish your book. Your book coach will give you the customized tools and blueprints to success that are so often lacking in the traditional publishing world. And if you think book coaching sounds like a gig you'd like to do, many authors and copywriters have the exact skill sets needed to become great book coaches themselves. Author Accelerator offers intensive book coach training and master classes so that you can help other writers reach their goals. Just head over to authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles for more info and to get a free seven-day writing challenge to start mapping out your own book. That's authoraccelerator.com slash writerfiles. I found a lot of nonfiction material that I needed about a sex trafficking ring that was legal, a legal union of uh, pimps. And there's tremendous amount of nonfiction available. And the rest is just my imagination. Hmm. That's all it took. All I, I, I don't need that much to put myself into a dreamlike trance where I hear the sound, I see the sights, I smell the smells, I feel the weather on my skin. I'm just there the way you are in a dream, except that it has a, a more logic than the way a dream goes, but I'm in a trance. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm still your host, Kelton Reed. And this week, the award-winning novelist, speaker, and activist, Talia Carner with me about the intensive research processes that go into her novels, why she chose fiction to write about global social issues, the real-life crisis happening right before our eyes, and what we can do about it. Ms. Carner writes suspense novels with a social message, and her latest historical novel, The Third Daughter, aims to turn the issue of sex trafficking into real-world activism. Talia's mission is to transform the lessons of the past into action in the present. Her fifth book has been described as a frightening journey into the new world of the late 1800s, 
told by a trusting young woman lured from Russia and forced into prostitution in Buenos Aires. Before becoming a professional novelist, the author had a corporate career in the magazine business, started her own business as a marketing consultant for Fortune 500 companies, was a counselor and lecturer for the Small Business Administration and even a member of the United States Information Agency. Talia is a popular international speaker who's keynoted close to 300 events on pressing social issues facing women around the globe. In part one of this file, Talia and I discussed how the writer's natural form of expression is somewhere in the 100,000 word range, why historical fiction is so challenging to write well, how she uses researchers to trace details of landmarks long forgotten, what it's like to channel characters from the distant past and write prose incorporating other languages, what sparks the ideation that fuels her writing mission, and why writers need to cull ideas from issues that move them the most. To learn more about human trafficking in the USA and what you can do to help stop it, you can find a wealth of information that the authors provided for us in her article titled, Take Action Against Trafficking, linked in the show notes and on taliacarner.com. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. We are rolling once again on The Writer Files. have a special guest today. Talia Karner is joining us. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with us on The Writer Files about your process. Well, thank you very much, Kelton, for inviting me to your show. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems timely, given your most recent uh, work of fiction. Talia is an award-winning historical novelist, speaker, and activist, right? I'm an activist when I can do something. Depends on the issue of my book that I find an opportunity to do something, I, I take it. Yeah. Well, it's pretty timely, um, I think, given this interesting time in history and things that have been happening in the, uh, in the news recently. But I think I want to talk to you a little bit about kind of how you got your, your start. And I understand that you come from kind of a business background, Prior to fiction, um, I understand you worked in the magazine business. Is that right? Yes, I was uh, in my last big position in the corporate world. I was the publisher of Savvy Woman magazine. Before then, I was with the Hearst magazines for quite a few years with Red Book. But that was a business position. And when I, I left, I left to start my own company, which I ran for nine years. And that was, uh, again, my magazine, marketing, business, and advertising. I would say mostly my, uh, marketing. So for me, it was one career. 
for others, it sounded like three different careers. But at any rate, I wrote only for business, uh, great industry overviews, fabulous sales, sales letters and brochures. But I was not um, a professional writer until one day I sat down to write a novel. It was uh, November 3rd, 1993 at 2.48 p.m. when I started typing the first words of what turned out to be my maiden effort at a novel. Eventually, I learned that writing a full-length fiction, a novel size, rather than a short story, is my natural way of expressing myself. I'm not very good at writing poetry. The brevity does not do me much good. I need 100,000 words to express an idea. Hmm. So for me, the novel and the horizontal way in which I'm able, my mind is able to keep different things kept at the same time horizontally. I know it can be the political, psychological, religious, geography, whatever it is, the forces, the shape of our lives, they are constantly working and they are relevant to the story as the story develops. So hmm. it's my, I, I, you know, it's almost like observing my brain from the outside to see how it's able to keep all of those things together and at the same time move on vertically along the storyline to tell the story as it continues and moves forward so that at no point you just get stuck in time and repeat the same things, how, how things happen, you know, yeah. it's, it's an interesting process. Absolutely. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, 
monthly episode breakdowns, Rogers Happy Hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. And I find it pretty fascinating that historical fiction is so I think it's I think it's one of the hardest uh, mediums to work in because you you're not working in an alternate timeline, right? You're working very much with pieces that are immutable or they can't really be that historical piece can't really be toyed with very much. Is that right? It depends. I can't, I can't speak about all historical fiction. I can speak about the books that I've written. I would say that three of my novels, of my five novels so far, qualify under the historical fiction rubric. And that is, each one is different because it's a different time and place and a different distance from the events. So my novel, Jerusalem Maiden, took place about 100 years ago, not separate time than the one that I'm, the third daughter that's coming out in a few days. But it took place when I researched, started researching in 2001, I still found people who were alive who were able to give me feedback about their mother's lives. Hmm. So that even though it had taken place so long ago, in let's say first around early 1900s, I could still, my mother was alive. She was able to tell me about her mother's life. And I knew my grandmother and I, and I met other older women who could tell me. So that was not the chat. I mean, it was challenging, but in a way they were, they were uh, resources for Hotel Moscow which took took place in 1993 during the uprising of the Russian parliament against Boris Yeltsin. Yeah. It's uh, only 1993. It's only about 25 years or 26 years ago. And uh, it's not considered historical fiction, but it certainly was an important historical event that in time will be considered historical fiction but i happened to be there so a lot of my impressions were firsthand but also i interviewed many many people who, uh, afterwards but they were all alive so here was a case where i didn't have an issue the third daughter that's coming out takes place in the late 1800s in buenos aires mostly some a bit it starts in eastern europe in russia but mostly it's in buenos aires and i don't speak spanish but for that matter i don't speak chinese and i don't speak russian where my other mm -hmm. books take place so that the language uh, actually is not a barrier for me in terms of where the events take place and uh, I found that fascinating that I could use a, a map. And I know Buenos Aires a little bit. The last time I was there, I, about 10 years ago, eight years ago, I didn't think that I was going to write a book that sat there. So I did not look at the city with that eye. But I, I was able to look at the map 
and chart, for example, where my protagonist would be walking. And I looked at photographs from the time and place. They're all grainy, black and white photographs confined in archives, some on, on the Internet, but otherwise in some archives. Hmm. And I, what I did is I hired uh, Spanish-speaking uh, two researchers who are based in Argentina, and I had them find out, for example, the name of this this particular street 120 years ago. I have no way of finding that out because names of streets do change. And I did have to be clear about that and correct. That is very easy to break my credibility if I name a street that was named like this only five years ago and not 120 years ago. Sure. So, I had them help me. Otherwise, I found a lot of nonfiction material that I needed about a sex trafficking ring that was legal, a legal union of uh, pimps. And there's tremendous amount of nonfiction available. And the rest is just my imagination. Hmm. That's all it took. I, all I, I, I don't need that much to put myself into a dreamlike trance where I hear the sound, I see the sights, I smell the smells, I feel the weather on my skin. I'm just there the way you are in a dream, except that it has a, a more logic than the way a dream goes, but I'm in a trance and I feel it and I see it. And, and I remember once uh, at another book where I had to, I put the artist, uh, historical artist, Chaim Sutin, a uh, Russian-Polish Jew who lived in, uh, was at first actually the father of expressionism. And I put my protagonist in the same room with him, and I started recording their conversation, just typing mm. it as I heard, supposedly in my head, uh, as they were talking, uh, each one in their own character. It's like watching them on stage and performing their roles according to their char characters. So in The Third Daughter, it's very interesting, and that's a language issue. I write in English. The characters speak a bit among themselves, let's say, in, in this book, in Yiddish, and somewhat in Spanish, I speak none of those languages. Yet in English, it has to sound as if the reader is there with them without feeling that the language is stilted. And at the same time, give this sense of authenticity. So it sounds, it, it doesn't sound like a contemporary street English, for example, in, mm -hmm. that you'll find in the streets of, of New York. It, it's, a, it's an English language that has the flavor of whatever language is spoken. And that has been a challenge in all my books, because if it's said, China Doll is set in China, I have characters that either they speak Chinese or they speak English, but in their mind, they translate from Chinese. In Russia, obviously, they speak Russian, and, and I write in English, and so on. So that is part of the of writing a historical fiction is having a sense of the language, yeah. and that I find 
absolutely fascinating. That's cool. I mean, it's an interesting process. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you're you're clearly doing quite a bit of research, I, I understand, and then utilizing uh, whatever you can, including, like you said, those um, kind of archival photos, or you know, having um, assistants kind of help you to nail down those details, which is really cool. Yeah, I I had to ask them, for example, what what kind of food people ate for breakfast then. You know, a lot of that research had to be done in Spanish, so they did it for me. And the reason I say they, I was a a man and a woman, they didn't know each other. I hired them through a freelance uh, site, and I gave them exactly the same questions each time. I send them the same photographs, and I say, identify the building for me, and where is it and what happened in around that what what why was this building important and so on whatever the questions or or tell me about the architecture of of this particular house uh, and it was fascinating to get both their answers they were not always the same they may have they may have had different take on a, on a similar things like a case of architecture they will focus on something different and it was interesting for me because I could get more nuanced information once I had both perspectives, you know. Mm. So that's that was that part of the research when I used people from the outside. I would say that when I wrote a novel about China, I, I only asked a couple of people who American writers who were born had been born in China to help me with the understanding uh, how a language in a dialogue would be said that would be broken but not completely you know that kind of stuff but I didn't have to use researchers in other times I'm just thinking aloud but uh, and my next novel is set in France, and I do speak French, so <laughs> I've, I've taken advantage of that by doing quite a lot of interviews in French, which is, which is fun. That's cool. Can you talk about uh, what that, what the uh, subject of that newest no. project? <laughs> no, it's too early, and it's five years away from completion, so <laughs> <laughs> it's much too too premature to speak about it and I yeah. don't like to commit to a plot or or anything until I'm really far along with it interesting 
Well, um, but I'd like to say that how this came about, which is how all my stories come about, is from a very flitting image, a few words or anything like this. And it started with a trip to France when I saw a road sign on leading to a place that it was not on the tourist map. I, I would not have been interested, but it jogged my memory that I knew that something interesting had happened there, and I then researched and found out after getting home that indeed there was quite an interesting story that nobody knew about except seems seemed about me and and a lot of people in France. So um, that's how it started, just a road sign, and that is how so many ideas come to me. Just somebody says something. This, um, the third daughter that's coming out and deals with sex trafficking started, I, I it had been in my mind for years. I've been looking into subjugation of, of women and making sex slavery is a tool of war when women have been captured and taken from one country to another. That's all of this had been in my mind for quite a few years. But then uh, a, uh, a reader at a, at a conference, not a conference, one of my speaking engagements is I was autographing, said something about something. And it's like, oh, my God. And I immediately said, OK, this I need to look at it further, you know, and this is how it comes. It's not a big process of trying to find a story. They just kind of come to you. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. You can always leave us a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm, where we also humbly ask you to support the show with a secure donation to help us keep going. Just click the little yellow PayPal donate button over at writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. And thank you.